All right. We're going to get started. Anthony made it, so that's the green light. So thanks, everybody, for coming out on this snowy night. All right. Well, we made it back to Split Rocks, Anthony. Uh, two canceled shows, actually postponed shows, because we'll be announcing uh, uh, soon the makeup shows for the two dates that we had because of weather. And apparently it hasn't been snowing here while we've been gone. But, of course, the night that we scheduled a show, uh, snow came. But we made it. We trekked out here. We survived. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, and we're excited to have this uh, packed ballroom here. Each table has a number. I feel like we're at a wedding. So, uh, <laughs> got the, do you want the steak or the fish? Um, so, welcome back to War Seats in the House. Michael Russo, Anthony LaPanta, very happy to be back at Split Rocks. Thanks for everybody for coming on out. Uh, February, tw- February 16th is our next live show that will be here at Split Rocks. Uh, February 20th at Tuttle's and February 27th at Split Rocks again. So, again, 16th here at Split Rocks, February 20th at Tuttle's and Hopkins, February 27th back here um, at Split Rocks. And uh, Anthony, man, uh, with this team, for as long as you and I have done the podcast, you can almost always say what a difference a week makes. And what a difference a week makes. When you and I were sitting in Raleigh a week ago, this team it was coming off a win in Washington where they did steal the game, but they had points in seven of eight games. And here they are a week later, and they've lost three in a row. Uh, what happened? Well, it played three good teams. And only I, the, the one game that was concerning to me on the trip was Florida. I actually thought they played a great game in Tampa last night, one of the better games they've played all year. And I thought Tampa played. It was just a really highly entertaining Great hockey game between two really good teams, and Vasilevsky was terrific, and mm-hmm. Tampa won the game. Got a bad bounce goal to take a 3-2 lead. They got tipped twice and then hit Hartman on the way in. If not for a goal like that, I, said, I, I don't uh, know how they were so going to be Coming Florida out of that, that TV timeout, I was sitting with the Prossers over at the Cigar Club there in Minneapolis, and I said to Papa Prosser, uh, uh, Chris, I said, uh, I said, this game will end in regulation. And sure enough, like 20 seconds later, the fluke goal. Um, it just, I mean, you just felt like that was the way the game was going to end. I'm not saying necessarily a fluke goal, but that somebody. It was a fluke goal. Yeah. But the, and I thought Minnesota played well in Carolina as well. And Carolina, they're a good hockey team, one of the best in the East. And they found a way to make a couple plays when the game was tight and won it. So the one that still was really disappointing was Florida. I, that team is so loose defensively, and Minnesota just couldn't take advantage. We saw it the night, the, their game last night. They gave up seven against the Penguins, blew a couple of two-goal leads. I, that's a team Minnesota should have beaten and just didn't play well yeah. enough to do it. Um, regardless of whether or not they should win but aren't, they're not. Um, now they find themselves outside the playoffs. And, and i got to say, they're in precarious yeah, it, position. You know, they outside are, the playoffs. Let me, so they, let me in finish the, the thought. I knew this percentage. was going to be a fiery show already. Look, who, who's they have games in hand against everybody. So their what? points percentage. They can't beat a good team. Their points percentage. They cannot beat a good team. You look, at their, you look at their run where they were really good from Thanksgiving on, and now you look back at it and you say, man, that, what a cupcake schedule. It was a cu- and they took advantage of it like right. you're supposed to. And now they got majorly good teams coming up here. And well, they some, are now they you look have, at now Philly you, and Buffalo the next two. You should win both of those at well, all. Well, you should. But let's see if they do it. Right. Um, you know, we saw them play in Buffalo. Yeah, a I mean, look, ago, there's, there's reason to be concerned for, with the way they're playing. They, somebody else has to score. Mm-hmm. They have to. They need some kind of injection of life into their offense. They have to score. And where is that coming from when we're now 46 games into the season yeah. and everybody has regressed but Kaprizov? Yeah, I think it's, a, I think it's an interesting I was thinking about it today as I was driving up here that I think I'd be surprised if we didn't see something happen here in the next, maybe not before the break. There's two games left. But if this were to continue through these two games where they just can't seem to score, then I think you have to try something. You know, Maybe it's time for a call-up from Iowa. Maybe it's time for some line juggling. I know Dean likes to keep the lines the same and likes to ride them, and the players appreciate that. They like feeling comfortable with the, their line mates. But at some point, you have to look at it and say they're just not scoring enough. Yeah. And 81 five-on-five five goals, which is so peculiar because this isn't just that Fiala left. Uh, you know, yeah. they, 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 I think that's a much bigger deal than and, – and to be fair, 
we thought it was going to be that big of a deal coming into this. It, right. I thought it was anyway. I, because you look at the trickle-down effect it has everywhere. And now you're that line to replace Fiala. You've, you had to take something from somewhere else. So mm-hmm. in order to do that, now you're, you're expecting guys, you're expecting Ryan Hartman to produce like he did with Kaprizov and Zuccarello playing with Boldy and Gaudreau, and that's unlikely. And you think about now all the matchup issues that those guys used to create, because if you want to check Kaprizov and Zuccarello, fine. This line will take advantage. Now teams can check that line because they know that it doesn't matter how they match up with anybody else. So those guys are getting a steady dose of the best forwards and defensive pairings every single night. And it, it just has a trickle-down effect on the rest of the team. The, that, the that, Erickson eck felino greenway line, I believe part of the reason they're not scoring as much this year is because they're facing some lines that are a little bit more rugged defensively. There are teams... Carolina did it. They played the Jordan Stahl line against those guys all night. Instead of using them against a Fiala line, a second line, that opened the door for those guys to score, they now were going up against the team's best checking line. And I just think you're seeing a lot of that over the course of the year. And, and yes, then there are some guys. Ryan Hartman's sitting at, what, six goals, seven goals right now? He had 34 last year. Maybe he's not a 34-goal scorer, but he for sure is more than a 14-goal scorer. Felino, Greenway, all of these guys aren't anywhere close to where they scored a year ago. And I think a lot of that has to do with you don't have a second scoring line. So somehow, some way, that line's got to score. And I don't know if that's an injection from Iowa or just some line juggling to say we've got to get some, somehow, some way, we've got to create another trio that can score. Um, you, uh, Marco Rossi has 17 points in his last 16 games. Uh, they're not at the point yet that they're, they're going to bring him up. But it's got to be getting close. I mean, you know. I think if you weren't two games from the break, you might do it yeah. right now. But with two games to go, I'm sure they're looking at it as we'll get through these two, we'll reevaluate when everybody's Hartman got a week tomorrow? off. What do you think? I would imagine he would. I, I just, unless you were calling somebody up, yeah. you're not gonna, it, Mason Shaw in the lineup isn't going to take Ryan Hartman's place. Right. Um, you know, uh, what do you think is going on with Hartman right now? You know, he. Like he, I don't like. I don't know if you just look at his demeanor on the ice. He looks angry all the time. Like he is on it. Well, he's like, frustrated. Yeah, without but, a but doubt. But even, but I'm talking right from the starts of games. It's like smoke's coming out the top of his head. And I, that's what I mean. I yeah. think he's frustrated with his where he is for the season. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a night that he's frustrated because he just got whacked in the shins. I think it's he's frustrated. He's he scored 34 goals a year ago and he hasn't been the same. Then he was injured and. So I don't think he feels free to play the same way he played. But there's for sure it's not far beneath the, sur- the surface, the frustration level that he's got it's coming in. It's truly amazing how many times he takes a penalty that, that they get scored upon, like it's, which is what make, what's making this all worse. It's just, it's like, you know, they always say, I mean, you know, you kill the good penalties and don't kill the bad ones. What was the game the other night, two nights ago, the Wild, somebody saved a goal with a play that... He had to take the penalty and they kill it off. And what comes after right there, you know, Hartman takes the, the retaliatory penalty against Smith. And, and next thing you know, they score. Um, it, it just, you know, it has to stop. And at some point, you just feel like a message is going to be sent. And when Dean's calling it stupid, absolutely stupid after a game, you know, he's at his wit's end. Yeah, and he's frustrated with him for sure and has been much of the season. And He's not the only one taking some of those penalties, but... I thought the goalie interference call the other night was a good call. I, I know Louie on our broadcast said he didn't think it needed to be called. He skated through the blue and hit yeah, Vasilevsky in the chin. That was a penalty. And the other one was totally unnecessary, the hook that he took. that It wasn't egregious, but it was a hook. It gets called every time. And the retaliatory one against Smith in Florida was, yeah, Smith delivered the first little cheap whack, but in my opinion, neither needed to be called. But it was he retaliated. When you retaliate, you open the door that it could be called. And that's, you do wonder that's what if he he's got a little bit of a target on his back right now with the refs. I mean, you know, he, without he, they, a doubt, he you does. know they they know the guys that are. The you know, it was interesting. So I asked Louis this question during the broadcast in Tampa. So if you remember the Giovanni Smith play. You were probably watching it. You weren't down there, right? So you were watching on TV. And did you see the replay? Where I was S- listening to it on the radio. Okay, so then you have no idea what happened. No, I'm just kidding. So, uh, Smith, Smith came by and just gave him a little whack on the shins. Wasn't anything major. 
Hartman retaliates, punches him in the shoulder. Wasn't anything major. That kind of stuff happens 75 times a night, and right. neither guy gets a penalty. Mm-hmm. They called Hartman for it. So then the other night, Hedman takes Hartman into the net. They call the interference against Hedman. Hartman's laying on the ground. Hedman comes over and delivers an extra cross-check yeah, to the shoulder. Should have been an extra. And I, I think that was a lot more malicious than yeah. Hartman's retaliatory punch to the shoulder of yeah. Smith the other night. And so you're in one of those ruts where those kind of things just everything's not. And that's sort of what I mean, where I I say that I think he's got a little bit black mark. You know, it's like they kind of. I think they knew. I don't know if you saw it on replay, but he kind of gave him a little taunting, little like sarcastic slap. Yeah, I saw that. But I'm sure the ref saw that and said, "All right, sorry." You you know, you get you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Um, I don't know where to go because I, I have like 15 things I want to talk to you about the players that aren't playing well. Let's just talk Let's about go. the team in general, though, to go back to your yeah. point. Yes, they are technically outside the top eight, right. but not by points percentage. Right. I'm just saying, so oh, when you look at the division stand, when you look at the conference standings, Dallas and Winnipeg are not losing for some, they are not coming back to earth for some reason. I don't I know. I think why. Winnipeg will. I okay. don't think but Dallas they, so will. So far, they're not. Colorado's about to lap everybody, probably. They're now six in a row. Everybody's healthy. They're still the one team that's yeah. different than everybody. Um, now, you take the now the Pacific Division. Like, Edmonton, I don't think, is missing the playoffs unless Connor McDavid gets a major injury. Um, Seattle doesn't seem to be coming back to earth. I should have traded for Martin Jones. Should have. Um, uh, could have. But I just couldn't stomach it. Like, that was just... 22 um, wins. Yeah, anyway. Uh, and then L.A., you know, they get... L.A., LA, and, LA and, I think, will slip. Yeah. They're so they're so leaky defensively. Mm-hmm. I, I'm See, not uh, as convinced... Fialo, who scored in overtime yesterday, was on the third line. I'm not as convinced so. that Edmonton is a lock to make it. But I really thought the one team out of that division that was a lock was Calgary coming into the year. And they just haven't... They just can't score. And... So I think there's still a chance they go on a little bit of a run. I think Vegas is legit. Seattle, with the way they're playing, I think it's unlikely they slip. I just don't know if – I don't know that they maintain quite the pace they're on right now. But don't you think that what I'm saying is that it just feels like – There Winnipeg might not be five in the Central this year. Yeah, like, like it just feels like they are chasing one of those wildcard teams, and they just – they got to get their crap together. I mean, to get back to the point on scoring, I mean, this is th- 46 games in the season. They got 81 five on five goals. Hartman, Felino, Greenway look a shell of what they were. Eric Sinek is still playing great in my eyes. Um, Aboldi, I do not think has been good. Um, Zuccarello has had one good game in the last like nine. I mean, the game against the Islanders, but I think he's been bad in pretty much every game since. Up until last night, Kaprizov had three goals and three shots. Um, Steele is totally come back to earth so other than that um man Spurgeon looks good so their defensive core has been better and yes they've only scored 81 even strength goals they're still a plus team at even Mm -hmm. strength but last year they were the number three team in the league at even strength this year they're I think it's 16th or 17th right now which that's usually an indicator of of where you're going to be come when playoff bursts are handed out the great teams are the ones that are in the top Six, eight, ten. But remember, last year we kept wondering: Can they transition from a team that's outscoring everybody and all these miracle comebacks? Can they transition to a team that can lock people down in the playoffs? And they couldn't. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe this year it's just the reverse. That well, the regular season might be a little bit more, a little more frustrating, a little more harrowing because when you're trying to win every game three to two, it's a lot more difficult than just putting the hammer to some teams that are below you and beating them 6-3. And, but maybe that transitions to a team that's more suited to play once they make the playoffs. I'm still really, really surprised, especially as in tune as they are with the analytics that Sam Steele is the number one center of this team. Now, I, I get just, you almost don't, don't have an option right now. Well, that's the thing. It's like, you know, you're almost rewarding the only option is Ryan Hartman, and you're going to reward him. Like, hey, instead of scratching it tomorrow, we're making money between those right. two. But maybe that's part. Maybe that's the jolt he needs. Like, instead, like take the almost the opposite approach here, where it's like, all right, you know, you expect that because they just made uh, Matt Dumba pay the piper for a bad game, that they're going to do the same thing for Ryan Hartman. Maybe that is the other thing that they need is just to change up something here, because obviously Hartman is not working with Boldy. And Steele has, you know, he is so, like, he'll, he'll show you the glimpse of a great play, but he is so soft on pucks, it is really remarkable. 
And like we saw it on Florida, the backbreaking goal was the goal where he just lost the puck in the corner. And, and at some point, maybe that's the identity that that line needs again, is the guy that plays with piss and vinegar like Ryan Hartman, that's going to go get the puck in the corner, that's going to go to the front of the net, that's going to draw people to him, that's going to create space for Zuccarello and Kaprizov. Well, and that's what I said right off the top, is I think you, this team needs a jolt. Mm -hmm. So either that's a call-up from Iowa or it's some line juggling to try to create a spark. And there have been a couple times over the last couple of years where we've looked at it and said, well, you really don't want to mess with that Ekfelino-Greenway line, but the reality is maybe now's the time you have to. Yeah. And maybe it's Erickson Ek that goes and plays between those guys just to say, mm -hmm. we're going to have this guy go get pucks for you, you guys make plays. And the problem is it's you're just not blessed, you're not flush with other forwards that you can throw into there. Mm -hmm. So it, it might be out of the break a... a an attempt to ignite something comes from Iowa. We'll see. Right. Or they pick up Anthony Boteto on waivers or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that I would don't be know, the, the trick. The, the inside joke there is uh, for, uh, 2018, it was, uh, right before the bye week, uh, the Wild played in Denver, and the next morning, like, you know, they had just gotten Brad Hunt in a trade, Nate Prosser was back, and all of a sudden, they just, out of the blue, grabbed Anthony Boteto on waivers going into the bye, and it just, that was the, I mean, not the Boteto move, but it was the beginning of the downfall of the Wild that season. If you remember, in February, they won like one, two games. It, all of a sudden, they get out of the break. Prosser and JT Brown are sent to the minors. The whole room is essentially, like, you know, just completely, um, you know, shuffled around. And it was just uh, pretty poor management, in my opinion. Um, it was like they weren't counting bodies. It's like uh, Well, and added a guy that really couldn't play. Yeah. And when they had, like, 8D on the roster at the red set time, it was just not a sensical move. Um so anyway, um, where to go from here? What do you think's going on with Boldy? I mean, you know, he just... Um, I think he misses Kevin Fiala. Yeah. So what do they do about that? Well, that's... I've been, that's this, another thing I've been, like, you know, beating on the drum on for a while is, like, you know, just switch Steele and, Steel and, and Hartman. You know, let's... Steele has played wing. Put Steele on the left wing of Matt Boldy and Freddie Goudreau, Hartman back at the middle, and, and see if that skill that, that, that Steele has can maybe... Help in that main, or put Boudreaux on the wing. You know, you could have a Boldy Boudreaux, Boldy. Well, that's uh, what Steel they've tried Boudreaux. to do with putting Hartman in the middle of the last couple of games to try to get him mm -hmm. more involved with the puck and and driving the line a little bit more than playing on the wing from a dead stop. I, I do. I think. I think that they'll probably try to write, see if it corrects itself over these two games, and and make their. If it doesn't, I believe we'll see some changes and adjustments out of the. Mm -hmm. Break. Why is Dean so uh, so resistant to ever change lines? He's just always been that way, and and even within games, you'll see maybe just a subtle change here or there, but not much. He really likes to just leave the guys alone and let them play, and and it it's hard to argue with the success they've had. But at the same time, I really felt like last year it was one of their undoings in the playoffs was. St. Louis got down two to one, and yep. they were willing to make major changes. And when they got up three two, Minnesota wasn't. Yeah, until Game Six when they put Kulikov back in, and whoo, Nelly, man, did it, uh, that was as bad a game as you're going to see by a defenseman. Um, and he took out Yul Eriksson at like the world's worst time in that game. Um, uh, should we talk about something positive? Let's just go Spurgeon Brody and just. Uh, you know, give everybody a, a chance to sober up. Um, so, uh, I mean, Spurgeon and Brodeen, honestly, though. Like, again, Spurgeon last night I thought was great. Um, these guys just continue to play outstanding hockey. I was shocked, actually, by the way. I mean, it just shows you, like, how sometimes even I don't pay attention to statistics when I'm just watching with my own eyes and see a guy like Brodeen playing as great as he has all year. I had no idea when he scored that first goal the other night in Washington that it was his first goal. I had to look like six times to make sure I was reading it right. Um, but, man, the two of them have just been outstanding. They've been terrific. Mm -hmm. Spurgeon, this might be the best stretch of hockey he's ever played, has such a great feel for when to jump, mm -hmm. has a great ability to recover after he jumps, and Brodeen's skating ability. It, it, it's hard to really explain it. I asked Louie the other I said, what is it when you watch him? What, what makes him such a great skater? I watched him at practice in Tampa, and every drill he would make some play because he could turn and explode faster than anybody else on the ice. And when I asked Louie, he 
gave me a lot of hockey spiel that <laughs> I'm not sure if it really made sense or not. But um, then I asked Dean about it, and he said, Dean said he thinks it's just he's got such tremendous strength in his lower body combined with unbelievable edge work mm -hmm. that he said he gets off of his edges so much faster than anybody else that I don't know if that's true or not, but it sounded good. Yeah. It sounded better than what Louis gave me, so we'll go with that. The uh by the way, in Carolina, when uh, Dumbo was scratched, it was funny watching warm-ups and, and poor Brodian over alone by the boards during warm-ups, and he had to sit there and shoot the breeze with Gorg instead of Dumbo. Yeah, she <laughs> kind of felt bad for him. Um, man, you th what do you think Gorg was saying to uh, Brodian? Do you, do Kevin Gorg? What do you think he was saying? Well, was this an on-air question or just a No, no, it was just them just shooting the breeze. What do you think he was telling yeah, him? He was probably giving him Tell his me, horse. You think he told him about the Angus horse racing? No, he was probably giving him his... Horse racing tips for the trip to Fort Lauderdale. If, if he was telling Brodian about the Angus Barn, how would it go? Oh, it's unbelievable. Maybe the, it's, it's such a great place. Maybe the, maybe the best steaks you'll ever have, and it's great. They put the bread right in the basket for you with the cheese whiz right there. It's unbelievable. Yep. They, you get the potatoes. You get the salad. They fill up your Diet Coke anytime it's empty. They do a nice job. <laughs> Exactly. I'm pretty positive that was what was sold to Brodine before that yeah. game. And Brodine skated away very quickly. I had, and Kevin's a great friend, and, but, and there's a lot of things if you had, you were going to a city and you wanted to know where a movie theater is, Kevin would be a great source <laughs> of information. If you wanted to know a movie review, he'd be a good source of information. Yeah. If you're asking for where to go to eat, he's the last guy you should ask. And his idea of a great meal is a burger and fries and a Diet Coke. And not that there's, I mean, that's perfect. When I go to Boston, I want to go down to the North End and find Italian that I can't get anywhere in the Twin Cities. And he's recommending places to people that you can find in Burnsville. And on top of that, like the other day, he thought it was the greatest find ever because somebody introduced him to the pub what was it, a pub sub, I think he called it, at a Publix grocery store. Like, it's at their little <laughs> deli. Like, I just got, I just had the greatest sandwich I've ever had. Well, you went to Publix. I mean, the, the, I go to Lund's a lot, and I grab their, little, their sandwiches, and they're fine, but I wouldn't be telling people it was the greatest sandwich I've ever had in my life. Yeah. We needed that little break. <laughs> Take the checking account challenge from Royal Credit Union. Compare your checking account to Royal and see why it makes sense to switch. Royal's checking accounts have no hidden fees and lots of free features that make it easy to stay on top of your money. You can deposit checks with the Royal's mobile app, receive real-time notifications when transactions happen, and even freeze your debit card in seconds. See what other features you're missing out on and make the switch to a Royal checking account at rcu.org slash royalchallenge, insured by NCUA. If you're looking for a great place to go watch a game, check out Moe's Ice House. It's at Fogarty Arena overlooking the Four Seasons Curling Rink. They just changed their menu a bit, so they've got some great options for you, but it's a perfect place to watch games. Check out their pizzas. I had some friends who went up there to watch a game recently who raved about their pizzas. I know they've got good wings as well. I'm a big fan of the pastrami sandwich, but there are several on the menu, so you got to go check it out. Whether you're up there for a game or up there to watch a game, up there to do some curling for a little bonspiel, you might be able to drag Russo out there for a bonspiel, see if he can get out of the curling hack and release a stone. You don't think so? Well, anyway, go to Moe's Ice House at Fogarty Arena. It's an awesome place to watch games. And if you want to get your dream home, sell your home stress-free with a guaranteed offer from Chris Lindahl Real Estate. There are no showings, no decluttering, no repairs, and no stress. It's the easy way to sell your home. They keep you in control so you can sell your home fast. You can pick your closing date and move when it's convenient for you. To find out what your guaranteed offer cash would be, there's no obligation. Just go to chrislindahl.com or call 763-401-SOLD. Again, that's chrislindahl.com or uh, call 7634-401-SOLD. You can close with confidence and start packing, and terms and conditions apply. And here's a word from Royal Credit Union. So back to Boldy. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, you, you know, uh, um, actually, you know what? You, I wasn't on the father-son trip. Uh, tell us about that. You uh, watching up. First of all, I needed Margot to get back right away <laughs> because I'm just telling you, like, I have Snapchat for one reason, and that's to just see Margot's videos of your dogs. I don't need to see you on a freaking beach, 
You shirtless by the pool. I did not you send drinking, one shirtless you, picture. You, you, not you, her. Oh. Well, yeah, like well, you drinking a Mai Tai here. You guys posing for a picture either. there. I mean, I didn't need to if see that. If she did, I got to have a I want to see <laughs> Phil and Stanley, and that is it on Margo's, Margo's thing. I don't need to see just all these vacation pictures of you two romanticizing on the sides of the beach in freaking Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. So well, first Just to of all, be clear, neither one of us were ever shirtless in a yeah. picture, to anyway, the best of my knowledge. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but tell us about it. It, it was like, an unbelievable trip. It seemed like you trip. had a fun time. Yeah, we did. It was, it, you just don't have these opportunities on an NHL schedule very often where you're in the same city for four nights, and that's what we had. We flew in after the game in Raleigh Thursday, so I mean, that really doesn't technically count as a night. We got in at like 1 a.m., but... But then Friday, the team had a day off. They had meetings and things, but the, and had a practice. But it wasn't a, it was a day off for, in terms of the game. That night, most of their friends, mentors, fathers, brothers, whoever they had with them, joined us in Fort Lauderdale. They had a little reception that night. Then Saturday was a game day, but after, but it was a five o'clock, well six o'clock in Florida. So Saturday night. They all got to go out together. Sunday, they had some um, activities that they could take part in. There were a group went golfing, a group went deep sea fishing, a group went to the horse track with Kevin, and then they had a big dinner, like for I think it was 104 people at the at Mastros in Fort Lauderdale. Oh, and geez, yeah, that that's that was. It, but it was unbelievable. I guess I didn't I didn't join them for that. And no wonder they uh, can't make a move at the trade deadline. Yeah, no, it kidding. might be a little tight. Just kidding. And but then they so they had that on Sunday, and then Monday we all got up, flew to Tampa, practiced in Tampa. They had a big team photo with all of their guests, and and then I think they were just on their own for dinner Sunday night, but then got to go to the game Monday, and then most of them flew on the charter home with us. But I had a chance to talk with some of the dads, and I don't have a son who or a daughter who played professionally, but I know anybody who was a parent that watched your kid play anything, you know what it's like to sit in the stand. I can just imagine what it would be like to sit and watch them play in the National Hockey League. But also just a little glimpse into how they live. I was chatting with some of the fathers and they were just like, it's just, this is so cool to be able to see what it's like when they walk on the charter plane the way they're catered to there, the hotels we stayed. We stayed in this unbelievable hotel right on the beach in Fort Lauderdale. It, it just is, you know, this is, this was probably a better than normal trip, but it's, it, it is unbelievable how, and we're fortunate to be able to live at least a part of it, not quite catered like the way the players are, but for the dads to get to see it, there were a few of them who made comments like that, like it was just, so much fun to be able to watch how they function on a daily basis in this unbelievable job they have. Yeah, as they don't NHL they don't have player. a Ritz Carlton on the beach in the Pa Manitoba or Wainwright Alberta. That's for sure. And and that was one. I think that's another cool thing. Are the dads getting to see? You know, like you know, uh, you know, dads that grew up on the farms of Manitoba and Alberta, hanging out with a cop like. Todd Boldy, or, you know, like, I, mean, I just think that's too, these different lifestyles that come together, yet they have this common bond that all their sons were, ha, had this incredible gift to make it to the show, which is, you know, 0.1% of people uh, that play hockey, uh, you know, that, that's probably high even, uh, that actually get to the National Hockey League. It's a pretty neat thing, and you can tell how much they loved it. Um, I, I know that uh, Joe Smith was in the, uh, Jeff Vinnick, the owner of the Tampa Bay Lightning suite, when Joel Erickson X scored the shorthanded goal, and the, the, all the, yeah, in Tampa, because that place is packed, you know, they've sold that place out, there's no suites for, to give to dads like they can give in, say, Florida on a father-son trip. So the, the, the dads were sitting literally lower bowl, center ice, in front of Vinnick's suites, and Vinick turned Vinick, who by the way I did a big feature on in the playoffs, and is just the greatest guy. He's basically Craig Leopold, like you know that type of everyman. He turned to Joe Smith. He goes, "Can you go yell, tell the dads to sit the hell down?" Because <laughs> they were all blocking his view because they were cheering Eric's next goal. So it was pretty funny. Obviously, he was kidding. Um, so uh, yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty. But what neat. a job he's done down there when you oh really God, think about that whole it. Area. The, with the area, he's a huge part of that whole development down there. All the buildings and everything. It has just transformed into really what's now a, one of the better stops on the league with in terms of options for hotels and restaurants mm -hmm. down there. Did you happen to see like a new French restaurant that, uh, that had its debut, its opening on the game day? It was right across from the arena. 
So this, this I didn't see the sign. I didn't know it was okay. actually open. So yeah, it, it opened apparently the, that it, day. In like that apartment condo yeah, complex. Like a, yeah, it's like I didn't French think that was done yet. Okay, well, apparently that was supposed to be the grand opening that day. Maybe the restaurant is. Yeah. I don't think the condo. Oh yeah, and the restaurant I was talking about. Okay. So this restaurant is actually I found out is actually partially owned by John Cooper and Vinny LaCavia. Is like that right? Partners in it. Apparently, it's supposed to be sensational. So. The T-shirt guy told me that. You know, the T-shirt guy, he's working tomorrow's game, although I probably shouldn't have given away that secret. Um, so, uh, you know, back to the team here. You mentioned two winnable games coming up. Philly, though, playing well. Buffalo has been playing well and actually has played the Wild much better the last couple of years when they usually were a freed space on the bingo card. What do you expect these next two games? I think you'll see a Minnesota team come out and play really well mm-hmm. tomorrow night against Philadelphia. I, I think that's a, a game. I'd be really surprised if you didn't see the Wild control that game from the start and just be a methodical 5-1-4-1 kind of victory where Philly's never in it. And the Buffalo game Saturday night is the bigger test. Buffalo's playing great right now. They're as a high-scoring team as there is in the league. And, you know, that'll be a be a little energy with Hockey Day Minnesota and everything. And so I'd still, I think Minnesota wins these two games on the homestand, but I think tomorrow night's the the one that I'd be shocked if they didn't get. If you have a question, we have a microphone right up here, so come on up. Feel free. You don't have to be invited. <clears throat> but you are invited right now, by the way. Otherwise, I'll talk about Boldy again or Hartman. Um, but the, uh, you know, you know uh, back to that Buffalo game um, up there. I mean, that was as loose as we've seen the Wild play, and to me that was sort of the beginning of this stretch of, of really erratic hockey, Anthony. I mean, like they, you know, I know they had points of seven of eight, but they didn't really play well even in the games that they were winning. Um, you know, except maybe for the Islander game, which I thought was a little overblown how well they played. They defended well. Um, but, you know, like the Ranger game, they were loose. Buffalo game, they were loose. Obviously, the home game against Arizona and St. Louis, not very good. Um, I thought you know, they were Washington. good here against Arizona. I didn't think they were good here against St. Louis. But that St. Louis game came before the New York trip. Right. And but so even I the Arizona game, like Dean ripped into him after the game, said they were lucky. Um, Washington yeah, I, game, Philip Gustafson absolutely stole he was that. Great. Um, and again, they've now lost three in a row. So was, uh, I'm just saying, like, it just feels like that Buffalo game sort of started this little tailspin because the game before that was Tampa. Where they were great. Where they were great, yeah, and, and really had been for 11 games yeah. at that point, had been as good as anybody in the league. They're still number two in the league in terms of fewest cha- high-danger chances against at five-on-five five this season, mm-hmm. which I just keep looking at numbers like that and think that's why it's not time to panic. There's a part of me that still thinks goals have to start to come from some of these guys. There aren't. There were a couple of guys who were out of nowhere career years last year, but there are also some guys who have scored and just aren't scoring now. That you well, got to believe uh, at some point that changes. Um, a lot of this has also started. Not that he is. You know, you never know the cause and effect, but the reality is, is that Duhane came back. Shaw came out. Shaw was playing well. Um, you know, he started to have a little bit of a crack in his thing. Is there ever a time? Do you think that Bill Guerin would let Dean Evison take Ryan Reeves out of the lineup? Uh, yeah, I think you would let him. I don't think right now. I, we've talked about this. I believe that if I were the guy running it, I think I'd do. So, I would do something like that. Not every night, but for sure, three or four guys would be in some kind of a rotation on that fourth line. And Dean seems convinced that he's not going to take Connor Dewar out. He's too good a penalty killer. He's on the faceoffs. He's he's the one guy out of that bunch that you really can't afford to take out of the lineup. But I think there's a time and place where a fourth line with Duhame and Shaw on it might be more dangerous. I mean, just get some speed in the lineup. And, you know, be one thing, like, you know, the thing with Ryan is that he's just not, you know, he's not getting to the hits. Um, Obviously, we know that nobody's, you know, really fighting him. Um, and then even from a defending teammate standpoint, like, you know, do, you know, he's on the ice when Duhame's getting cross-checked in the neck. He doesn't know a major's coming, and he did nothing to respond. And, and to me, if you're not even doing that, then, you know, really um, for l- his lack of offense and, and at times defensive liability, I'd rather Shaw in the lineup. And I just think if he's not going to bring it, then he's got to come out. But that's just me. Question? Yes, um, actually a couple. When Greenway was out... Uh, wasn't available after the game. Nobody ever said what was going on there. Do you have any insight? Yeah, he overslept. He didn't show up. He wasn't sick. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Okay. 
Got to get you an athletic subscription, and you'd know. Um, so uh, <laughs> I can give you Margo's login. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. I mean, he uh, he's he 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 overslept. The game was at six. They finally got him on the phone around four forty-five, and told him he wasn't playing. Don't even bother. And uh, and that that has really put him in bad standing right now with the organization. And I think you've seen a couple games lately. Last night, Washington where he's really tried to show up and, um, and, and play a hard, hard game. The, the problem with him always is consistency. I didn't think he brought that in Florida or Carolina at all. And so, um, you know, uh, I, I personally think he's getting traded. I, 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 my, my bet, if I had to make it right now, is he won't be here March 4th. Okay. So. Another question, Dumba, out two games. Now, normally if you... If the Wild bench somebody that's a regular, especially like an alternative captain, they're usually out one game. Then they're back. Now, he's out two games. What do you think the real reason was for that? Cause I, I, I think it was his – I mean, I think it was his play. It was definitely not that he was getting traded. Okay, so it two games, you don't think that that was unusual yeah. for him to be out two games? No, and not I'll, the way the, Dean does it. Well, the, here's the reason why it was a second game, because Alex Goligoski was terrific in Carolina. If Goligoski had played – Poorly in Carolina, Dumbo would have been back in in Florida. If Goligoski had played well in Florida, Dumbo would have been out a third game in a row in Tampa. It, but Goligoski's game in Florida wasn't great. But in Carolina, I thought he, he was as good as Spurgeon and Brodine that night. And that was why it was a second game for Dumbo. And if Goligoski had played well in Florida, I think we either would have seen Dumba out again or maybe Addison or somebody out of the lineup. It had 100% to do with his play on the ice. And his return was as reliant on somebody else playing their way out of the lineup as it was him coming back in. Okay. Last question. Boudreaux, what do you think happens next? Do you think he goes back to TV? Yeah, I talked to him. Um, we got to get you an athletic subscription. It's three questions in a row you didn't have to ask. I'm just saying. Um, anyway, uh, you know what? Let, let me talk about Boudreaux in a second. I just have, let, let's talk about Dumba because we haven't hit on Dumba yet. And I, I love your question on Dumba, then I will get, because I think Boudreaux is something I want to talk to Anthony about as well, and I'll get to the, I'll get to the answer on that. Um, I wish we had giveaways, by the way. You'd have three of them. Um, come to give, the next give show, him, and we'll give have Give him giveaways. an athletic subscription. Yep. Yep. That's, a, that's a giveaway. Yeah, actually, if you want it, if you would read it, I, would give you, I will give you one after. Uh, we'll do that. Um, anyway, um, let's get to Dumba for a second. I, I, I have a feeling you are not going to agree with me on this. Um, I think it was, and you, I think anybody that listens to this podcast or reads me, not him, he doesn't know this. Um, we well, might listen to the podcast. Yeah, he might listen to the podcast. Um, knows that I am not a Matt Dumba apologist. I think this was the wrong time to take him out of the lineup. I just don't get it. Um, first of all, early in the season when he was playing poorly for like a month and a half, they didn't even consider taking him out. Now you take him out after one bad game in Washington where they had points in seven of eight while you're trying to trade a guy. It just made no sense to me. So now there's also, I've talked to scouts in the last couple of days that are, this is not, I don't know if this would have allowed them to trade him or not, but they are, there is a perception out there right now that he must be playing like this. And the reality is, sorry for the kid that's in here. He's not listening anyway. Um, and, and Brandon, who now has to put some work in on the podcast. Um, so, uh, so the, uh, not that you didn't, Brandon. So, uh, but, like, like it, there's a perception out there that he must have been playing, like, absolutely god-awful. Like, it, it's just made no sense. And now, like, you probably can't trade him because you also just got to look at your lineup without him. And if you don't have a suitable replacement, you're just gonna, not going to make your team worse. So I just don't get the timing of it. Because I don't, I, don't you think he was playing okay for the five, four weeks up until the game? No. You don't think so? I don't. And actually, I thought his—I thought a couple of the games in a row prior to that were among his worst in terms of careless with the puck, careless turnovers. He had some stretches where he had played well, and this—this this wasn't just a game. Although that game was particularly bad, uh, unbelievable turnover at the at his own blue line in the final seconds of a period that led to a lone breakaway that luckily weird. got it's like bailed out. Yeah, and that was weird. It, he tried to make a between the legs backward pass. Yeah, that and, was I think the final straw. Right. I don't and know if so, you saw if if you saw I even t live tweeted that when he turned that puck over, Dean honestly smacked the glass with yeah, his elbow. Yeah, I think at that moment Dean had said, "I've I've seen enough." 
the other thing, and I think I can share this, that there were a couple of times where they were on the verge of scratching him where it was a wake-up call moment, uh, one more night and you're in the press box, and he responded to his credit. And in this case, I think they finally just said, how many times can we warn the guy? We just need to, we need to take him out of the lineup. And so I don't think it was just that night. It was, this has been building for a while. In terms of the trade value, I really don't know how that, there's a part of you that also, sometimes when a team takes a guy out, remember what we talked about with Lafreniere in New York? He got scratched and immediately a whole bunch of GMs are calling New yeah. York. To see well, him. no, and, and that so, is probably what the Wild were hoping because there has not been very many nibbles. Right, so all. maybe that's – I'm not saying that's why they scratched him, but I, I think it can have an impact both ways. It can have an effect both ways. I, I think the body of work of Matt Dumba's career is big enough now where it isn't going to be one game that's going to change somebody else's perception of him. The fact that he got scratched twice, I think people have seen – they know whether or not Matt Dumba fits on their team. This isn't a mystery anymore. Um, and a lot of teams don't feel like they do. Uh, he does. I mean, they've, had, they've been unable to trade him for a while. And my gut now says, though, unless they fall apart in the next five weeks where they're going to turn into sellers, I, just, I bet you Bill just hangs on to him because he's not going to just trade him away for nothing. And if he can't get a suitable replacement to play in the top four, it's not going to be Goligoski. Uh, long term, so I, I just I have a feeling that was an eye opener uh, to what the team could look like without him um, if they don't get a top four D back in some capacity. Uh, back to your Boudreaux question. So I talked to him the other day. Um, he right now is going back. It looks like he's got a job just waiting for him at NHL Network. Um, it's going to be on Hockey Night in Canada this weekend. He's going to probably do once a week on Sirius XM and uh, probably TSN's Trade Center show. Um, so that's, that's that. Uh, you know, I don't know if he'll get a coaching job. You know, my gut says that he's the type of guy that if you maybe call, if you're a team that's struggling in November next year, you go and get him a month earlier than they – remember last year, it's like if, Dallas, if Vancouver had just hired him probably a month earlier, they probably would have made the playoffs. They were on fire at the end. Um, and so, if, you know, if you come out of the bullpen that way. Um, so I, but at 68 years old, I don't think that he's got any great belief that he's got a, you know, a, you know, a guaranteed spot at some point to coach again. Um, you know, maybe Ottawa, I don't know what would serve, but goes, in, you know, uh, he, Ottawa interviewed Bruce Boudreaux before he was hired by Minnesota and wanted to hire him. So maybe they come calling if they if they get tired of DJ Smith or something like that. But uh, my gut says that we'll just see him on TV anytime soon. How about how, that whole Vancouver situation was just crazy because normally a team that's in the position that they were in the standings that's lost ten of twelve games, you know, co fans are going to be calling for your head, screaming fire Boudreau, not Bruce. There it is after your last loss. Um, it just shows you how bad that situation was handled by them because, because they could have painted him as the problem. Instead, they made him as the, as the like, hero. And it, I've never seen anything like it, a team that bad where the fans just all want to keep the coach. It's well, great. I think the, this goes back a while. I mean, that yeah. fan base and the media out there have been anti-ownership and anti-management for a long time. Yep. Remember, the same thing happened, or virtually the same thing happened, when Bruce got hired in the first place. Yeah. Travis Green was... Everybody, it's, is today the day, is today the day, is today the day? And it went on for like a month with rumors of that, and eventually they finally did pull the trigger, and now they did the same thing this time around with Bruce. And, you know, it's... The difference here was that, you know, Jim Rutherford was just openly critical of Bruce from training camp on, and the other difference here is that this wasn't just speculation. I mean, there were reports that... Tockett was going there with Adam Foote and Sergey Gonchar on the exact date that he was going. So it, this wasn't just speculation. This was leaks that got it, out. And, it, and, and, that's, and that's all part of it, too. There's no question about it. But there's also, when you look at it, and you and I had talked early in the season and thought, well, maybe they just ride out this season with Bruce. Why bring in your new group mm -hmm. in the middle of this? Wait till, just wait till next year. But if you're waiting to try to get the next deal done, until that deal is done... I keep going back to remember when Mike Yo was in his last weeks here in, in St. Paul. Team was losing. They'd lost whatever, I think it was 11 out of 12 or something right at the end of his tenure. And I remember him one day coming out to address the media, and he just said, look, everybody knows you can't lose every night and keep your job in this business. Yeah. And then somebody asked a follow-up question. He said, but look, I'm the head coach of the team. 
until they come in and tell me I'm not the head coach anymore, my focus is on trying to beat the Philadelphia Flyers tomorrow night or whoever they were playing at the time. And he was hearing all the same rumors. There were all, everybody knew that if it continued, he was going to be out. Difference was there weren't rumors about who the next guy right, was, was necessarily. And Chuck Fletcher wasn't trashing him every turn. In fact, right. if you remember, we got to St. Louis, and Chuck Fletcher told me that his job was safe, and then I wrote the column next day saying his job was safe, saying, uh, don't believe him, and that's when everybody knew that he was in trouble because, because Mike Yo was like, the second I saw you write that, I, said, I figured uh, you might right. have better sources. But, um, I mean, the reality is these guys are hired. Every coach knows they're eventually going to get fired. Yeah. They all are going to get fired. And until the day comes when they give you your walking papers, you're getting paid it's $2 million bucks. Just it's go the, coach. It's the most fascinating thing about coaching because every single coach, they, every, we go to these opening press conferences and we write all about the just future, the, you know, the, the positive future, and they hold up the jersey and they put on the, the cap. And then, you know, you know three years later it's going to be the most miserable exit ever and there's going to be bad blood. And, you know, and it's just it's the nature of pro sports. It's the craziest thing in the world where you just know it's going to end poorly and every, in almost every single spot ever in pro coaching. It, it's, it is bizarre. In the meantime, ironically, Mike Yo stays in Vancouver. He's tight with Merrick Tockett. That team won 5-2 last night, albeit against Chicago. But now they're 1-0, and quickly the fans will turn and realize if that team starts to win games, that, that hey, you know what? We're going to give this regime a chance. Well, I think they should. I, I really like Rick Tockett. Me I too. loved him as an analyst. I liked him as a coach. I, I think he'll do well there. I thought it was really interesting to listen. I read some of the articles about his first practice and and it doesn't surprise me that it was buttoned down, organized, detail-oriented, skill-based. That's just kind of the way he's wired. It sounded like Mike Yo was very hands-on with some of it. And I will say that when I texted with Mike a little bit, and I know you had before too, he loved coaching with Bruce and really liked him, it's, it, which is strange because he seems like he's wired a lot more like a Rick Tockett than Bruce, for sure. Yeah, he did. I think, you know, they didn't know each other. And, um, and uh, you know, I, I'll just say I, I texted with Rick Tockett um, a couple days ago late also. And I, first of all, I just think it's going to be great to see him back behind a, a bench. Uh, it's good for media, too, because he's such an interesting quote, an interesting guy. I know some people, obviously, are always going to, you know, bash him for, you know, things in the past. But, um, but uh, you know, I think he's pretty excited to be in that position. I think if the fans just give him a chance, they'll be fine. That's not saying anything bad about Bruce, but that's just the way, the nature of the business, right? I mean, you know, uh, there, were, there were some people in this town that actually were upset when Mike Yo got fired, and then Torchetti goes and wins his first three in a row, and then all of a sudden you forget about it. So that's just the way it works. Hey, hockey fans. Jerry Bosch here again from Bosch Law Firm and WorkCompExperts.com. If you're injured at work, it's never too soon to contact the lawyers and awesome staff at Bosch Law Firm. We'll answer all your questions, help you set up your work comp claim and help you select professionals who will be there to help you, not the insurance company. And with almost 30 years of litigation experience, if your benefits are denied, we'll fight to get you paid. Bosch Law Firm. The call is always free and there's never a fee unless we obtain benefits on your behalf. Call or text us at 651-333-8300 or visit us at workcompexperts.com. Anytime that you are entertaining or cooking dinner at home, you got to start with the best ingredients. And the only place to go for that is Kowalski's. But well, we had a, a dinner party recently, and I walked in there. I was going to pick up some halibut, which the halibut didn't disappoint. It was terrific. But I just walked by the meat counter, and every time I do it, you end up with something. And I walked by, and the steaks looked so good. We've talked about them before. They have these the 40-day USDA prime cuts that are terrific, but I still always go back to the Akaushi as my favorite. We grab these Akaushi New York strip steaks, little red wine reduction sauce over the top, and they were right up there with some of the better steaks I've had. So if you are having a great dinner, you're having great guests, you got to make sure you start with the best ingredients, and for that, I go to Kowalski's. Are you ready for worry-free water? Get rid of that white scale buildup, orange rust stain, strong odor, and funny taste. With on-demand efficiency, the Connecticut Water Treatment System is built to handle the toughest well and city water out there. And for a limited time, Aquarius Home Services is offering $250 off a new non-electric Connecticut system when you trade in your old electric water softener. The Connecticut Water Treatment System is completely non-electric, uses significantly less salt than most standard electric water softeners, and gives you 24-7 soft water. 
Also, it provides worry-free drinking water right from your tap. Call Aquarius today for a free water analysis. They're just a click away at AquariusHomeServices.com. And don't forget to mention Russo sent you. Um, question. Uh, actually, I've got two, one for each of you, and the previous gentleman set up my first one. I'm not giving you two athletic subscriptions. It's just one for him. I'm already a paying member. So I knew you were. You're good there, Michael. Yeah. Um, what's a realistic return if Billy moves Greenway? And doesn't it almost have to be a pick rather than a player because of a re-sign issue? And if they bring in a, a rental, what's the point of giving them away for... 16 games. What well, you- the point is also would be if they feel that he is not good enough to be here long, for the next two years, they sign for $3 million, that you put do him at probably $1.3 or $1.4 million, half the price, and, and then back on that line, and you hope that that sort of body type and the, you know, the way he skates and all that is going to mesh eventually with Felino and Erickson X. So I don't think that it, it would be just like, you know, oh, they gave him away and it was for a rental. I think that a rental, I think that you could, you know, I mean, if I were Billy, um, not that I, you know, give him advice, but if I was in that front office, the first thing I would say when, with all these type of things is, all right, who has a relationship with Jordan Greenway? Who respects the heck out of Jordan Greenway? Well, right away, in my eyes, I can think of two coaches right now in this league that I would call the GMs for. One is San Jose and David Quinn, and the other is Buffalo and Don Granado. David Quinn's basically his mentor. It's been a father figure in his life for a long, long time. Um, it's, uh, you know, coach at Boston University, things like that. David Quinn loves him so much, he actually surprised him with his NHL debut in Nashville. I would call San Jose, and at 25 years old, 6'6", in the situation they, they are in, with two years of control for a guy that's in a pretty reasonable contract if he just could produce, I would, I would be very interested in that if I was San Jose. Now, I don't know what you could get from San Jose in yeah, that type that, of deal. You have to have a, there has to be a return, yeah. but I, I think there's two ways to look at it. Number one is, if you trade him for a rental, he has some value, just because of, as Michael's talking about, he's, he's on a team-friendly dollar amount. So if you're a team that's building, if you have a, maybe it's a forward that can bring some scoring punch, maybe it's a defenseman so that it frees it up so you can make a, a Matt Dumba trade, and now it, but it, it likely has to be just a rental for this year, because the reason is you could get a better player in return because you're giving up those two years of control. What about Timo Meyer? Like, that, that's one name that just interests me out of there. Now, the wild, the one thing here here is that he's a pending RFA with a $10 million qualifying order offer. So we know that it would be a rental, even though he's not your typical rental because he's not UFA. So you're essentially acquiring him, and then what you're going to do is either trade him before you have to not qualify him or you just don't qualify him, and you make him a so-called rental. That's one, that's, like, that to me would interest me. Now, it would have to be a bigger package than just Greenway, but that might actually be something that I would, I would at least try. Because that, to me, would move the needle on a team that needs some freaking pop, some size, some speed, some skill, some scoring, all that. And, and you know, I yeah, know. I don't know what else you'd have to have in that deal. Yeah. If, if you're looking for picks to give Judd Brackett an extra apple going into a stock 2023 draft, can Greenway get you a first, or is that out of the question? I don't know. I mean, I doubt it. Yeah, I would doubt it too. Not, so. not a pick that's going to be high. Yeah, they're, they're trading low, too. I mean, the guy is six points. One real goal, one empty net goal. Disappointing year. So. Second question for Anthony. Is there a rhyme or reason to the rotating cast of color analysts that you work with in the booth? One night it's Mr. Carter. The next night it's Mr. Walls. We just saw Mr. Nanny on the road. On the last trip. Nobody is, could stand being around Anthony yeah. for more than is, two days. Well, oh, I could and, freaking, and, and I, I is, could respect that. Yeah, I'll is, tell you where the rhyme reason starts. It's Louie wants to do the Florida trip, so Louie gets the Florida trip. Louie wanted the New York trip, so Louie got the New York trip. And then the rest of That's it. That's why they, I was in New York, too. Yeah, they, um, well, what I was asking was, is that a producer's decision? Is it based on the guy's availability? Is it something um, written into contract yeah. that they get a certain number of dates with you above so it's uh and they everybody's deal is different and uh, like for me my contracts with bally sports north i'm not an employee of the team both west walls and ryan carter are employees of the team but 
Wes also has a deal with Bally's to do pre and post game shows. So it's everybody's deal is different. They do have a number roughly that they agree to before the season. And I, they usually sit down. And we, it's the same for us with our Twins analysts. We have a rotating, I don't know how many different analysts we had this year for the Twins games, maybe six or eight. And our executive producer will sit down with each of them and we want to get you to 20, we want to get you to 40, whatever that number is. And so we'll have you, and they all have the ability to submit, well, I don't want it, I can't work this week or that week for whatever reason. And so then it's just, it, it all is a puzzle. And then even then, once it's all set, there'll be times where, hey, this just came up from, with my family. Can we swap this game for this game? And so, but it all, everybody's deal is different. And it just is whatever they can negotiate and whatever they agree to. So I, I don't know exactly what the numbers are this year. I think it's somewhere in the neighborhood of, I think Ryan Carter will do the most. I think he's doing maybe 40 and Wes was doing 25 and then Louie was doing four. Uh, I think that was about where the number ended up. But it's, they're all, it, for me, I love having about this much variety. If it's more than that, it's tough. Hockey's such a timing thing. But I kind of like having different opinions in the booth and there are different, I prepare a little differently. When I know I'm gonna be working with Louie, it doesn't matter what I ask him, somehow it's gonna come back to contracts and salaries. So <laughs> I can ask him, about, Back in my day. Right, I, ask, I can ask him about goaltending and, well, I'll tell you what the problem with this team is. They got $10 million in this guy. They got $3 million in this guy. That's $13 million in their goaltender. It doesn't matter. I, I and I would have told him when he wanted eight, you're right. getting one, and if you don't like it, you're out of here. Right. You know? so it, but if it's Ryan or Wes. With about 10 F-bombs. They don't, they don't want to get into that. Wes, want, he, they're just different different areas that they really like to talk about. So I prepare, Ryan Carter's a little bit more of an analytics guy, so I'll use more graphics that have a little bit more of an, a new age analytics side to it, because I know if I throw that out to Louie, he's gonna look at the screen and won't have any idea what it means. And, and then he'll just tell me something like, well, yeah, if that guy's that, he's gotta be worth 6.5 million. And so he, that's, he wants to talk about that. And which is great. I love listening to him analyze it. And you know, Wes is a little bit more of a, he's more of a structure X and O's guy. So then we'll do more of that kind of stuff when he's on. So it, I think it's a little refreshing to have guys jump in. And, and our, my boss has done a, has made a concerted effort to say, we want to put them in bigger chunks where they work four or five games in a row. You get kind of a rhythm going. And instead of he's on Tuesday, he's on Thursday, he's on Saturday kind of thing. I would have given anything if you'd asked Louie about like goals above expected and say, you know, yeah. saved above replacement. We had a couple. We, had, we actually had one. I don't know if you were watching. We had goals for percentage went on the ice for defensemen going back to early December. And the point of the graphic was to show that Jonas Brodin had been number one in the NHL over that stretch. And... When I had built the graphic on the file I send to our guy, it had goals for, goals against, and percentage because I thought that way I could more easily tee Louie up for it and explain it to him. And our guy decided that the graphic looked better to just put the percentage on there. And so when the graphic came up and I right away I knew that I think Louis looked at it and said, so Jonas Brodin has 75% of the goals. Well, he doesn't have 75% of the goals, but he's got one, and, and it was a good one. But it, so it, <laughs> it we, felt like 75%. It, right. So it, there are just things like that that you, you, we, we tweak a little bit depending on who's in there, and I like working with I'm all amazed, of them. I'm uh, amazed, you know, like at all these guys. I mean, frankly, I mean, even like Wes and, and Ryan, they do much, obviously much more than Louie, but still, if you take a couple weeks off, and then go back on the bicycle. It's not easy. And right. I, I'm amazed that Louie could just do four games a year in the state high school, and he just looks so at ease on TV. He is, I'll tell you what, he's 81 years old, yeah. I think, right? And he, when it comes to just watching the play and analyzing the play, he is still elite. Up there with some of the best guys in the league. And, and I listen to all the local broadcasts. I listen to them all, the, the game before the Wild play them. I always watch the most recent local show. And I'm telling you, when it comes to just analyzing the game, he is phenomenal. He's got great timing. He's 
quick. He's able to quickly explain things, put it into words that people can understand. And then on top of that, it's crazy how closely he follows this team and the Wild I'm talking about, where he, he knows what they've been doing. He watches a ton of these games. Wherever he's traveling, he's always watching the game. And he stays connected, and it, which now part of that is just who he is. We were in New York for the Islanders game, and as we're walking into the arena, he says, okay, well, i got to go over here. i got to meet Lou. Well, he's just walking in to have dinner with Lou Lamorello to chat with him about the game tonight. Well, not very many analysts just go have dinner with the other team's GM on their way into the rink. So he's got some yeah, I was access dinner, to people. Yeah. And I was at dinner with him uh, one night. I won't say who was there, but all of a sudden the phone rings. He's like, hang on, Lamorello's calling me. And I'm like, okay. You know, like, yeah. So he has uh, some connections too, but yeah. it, he's really good at that, at at seeing things and breaking them down and analyzing them. And I, uh, the more time I spend with him, and and we had a chance to sit. Uh, Margot and Louie and I sat at the bar in our hotel Saturday night after the game until pretty late. And just he's so sharp. And I just walked away saying, I hope when I'm 61 that I can do this, let alone yeah. 81. Yeah, he's, he's an absolute treasure. Another question? One more, a quick yeah. one. Mike, is there a rule that I'm just not aware of in the NHL where linemen and referees are not allowed to go pick up a broken piece of stick while it lays on the ice during play and they have to wait for a whistle? Uh, no, uh, there is not a rule. They can pick it up, yeah. Why does it never seem to happen? If it's a broken stick. If, if it's a regular stick, they usually don't because maybe that person will want to get back or something like that. I don't know. I mean, it, it used to happen all the time. I mean, I, I remember actually uh, two seasons ago, Wes McCauley picked up a stick, and the play went on and on and on, and he didn't have time. The way his positioning on the ice never brought him where he could throw it into the penalty box or onto the bench, and he called a penalty and held up the stick at, in his hand like the Statue of Liberty. Actually, left hand. Um, you know, so I mean, there is not a rule. I mean, you a know. lot of times, what they'll do is wait till the play is going the other way, mm -hmm. because if the stick is dropped in the corner or something, they don't want to be trying to pick up the stick when the play is going on. But as soon as it'll go the other way, if it's convenient, you'll see them grab it and throw it in the bench or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, what else happened on the trip? Anything? I had a, I had a, so I, I was leaving Raleigh the other day. I was on the road for two weeks, and um, I'm leaving Raleigh the other day, and. Get to the airport, flight's canceled. They put me on a Detroit flight. I was getting in like four or five hours later. I get to the gate, and I, all of a sudden I look, and my Detroit flight was delayed an hour and a half, and I'm like, well, I'm not making that connection. So they put me on through to Newark, and I, and every, I think every, pretty much most people on this little regional jet going to Newark were, going, were on the canceled Minneapolis flight, so everybody's a bit uptight. And so I'm sitting in 12C, which to me is unacceptable. And, um, and uh, the... The woman in 11D is sitting with her husband, and all of a sudden, I got my AirPods in, and all of a sudden, I hear her go, <gasps> and I'm like, oh, boy. <laughs> you just knew we were about to have a medical emergency. And she turns to her husband, and she's mortified. She had an earplug in her right ear that got, like, embedded in her ear canal. And now the entire time we are on the ground, she is crying and freaking out, which I totally get. Like, we're about to take off and fly for an hour. She's got this thing stuck in her ear, and they can't get it out. And finally, I knew it was going to happen. They call the paramedics. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I'm going to miss my flight in Newark. And, uh, and I felt horrible for this woman because she was mortified. Felt horrible for her, but you were going to miss your flight. And people are kind of <laughs> snapping at her. I was, I was very, very calm, even though inside I was just like, this is unbelievable. Like, you can't even make it up, right, of all, like, ways to have a medical emergency. And then they, so finally, uh, they come on this, actually, a do, uh, they, somebody found tweezers, and before they even got the paramedics there, this doctor on the plane went in there and essentially performed surgery. It was crazy how deep. They pull this thing out, and the earplug is this big. Like, I cannot believe that, that like, the airline essentially gives people this to put in their ears. Like, like, that could happen to anybody. Isn't it connected to a cord? No. It's just, the like, it's earplug, like, to, you know, stop oh, noise. Oh, I thought you meant, like, listen yeah, no, to yeah, something. No, oh, was, I got was, you. I mean, I can't tell you how small this thing was. Huh. This thing was deep in there. This poor no, all woman. Of our, all of our flights were on time. We made all of our connections. We had no delays. We were perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody have any other questions? <laughs> questions? No. We Otherwise missed you in Florida. Huh? 
Yeah, I know. Not I'm, really, uh, but a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, we went to Martorano's. Nice. Which was awesome. Yeah, last time you were there, they like double charged Double charged you. my American Express. Yeah, it took you months to get it back. Um, so, uh, and Margo, I'm sure, had a great time at the we, Ritz. Uh, absolutely a great time. Yeah, she had a great yeah. time at Martorano's. We met... Uh, my guess is I'm never going to get to cover a Florida Panthers, like Tampa Bay Lightning, Minnesota Wild road trip ever again with Joe in town. That's my gut. So I better yeah. get used to not going on those trips. You're I on am, the trip to Arizona, though. I am on uh, going to Arizona and Dallas, and I'm going actually to Florida for the for the Oscar game. I'm covering it with Mark Lazarus and uh, um, Jesse Granger as well. So that'll be fun. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it, it was it was it was weird, you know, watching that from afar because I've done all those father son sit downs and things like that. But Joe does such a good job with with those type of stories, and I thought he did a really good job. So hopefully everybody read that. You're going to read it soon. I'm going to watch uh, you after I buy I your athletic subscription. Thing, the, I'm going to uh, watch you re- read every article before. I, uh, we, we chatted one night with Connor Dewar's dad, who listens to the show every week. He invited himself over for dinner the next time he's in town. Nice. So that, yeah, he said he, he wanted to know where, if, he, if there was a Kowalski's anywhere other than in the Twin Cities so he could go get the steaks we always talk about. But he did invite himself to dinner the next time he comes to town. I hope none of these parents listen to this show because it was not the most glowing assessment. Although, <laughs> Connor, I would have added to the glowing assessment list. Uh, he, he's playing well. He continues to play well. It's, it's crazy what he's become. Anybody else have any questions? I'm going to wrap up the show here. Wow, an hour on the dot. This is perfect, Brandon. You don't have to charge overtime. Started at Nothing. 7, ended at 8, yep, just, yep. Like, just as scheduled. Exactly. Speaking of which, uh, thanks to all our sponsors, uh, especially Tuttles. We'll be back here at Split Rocks February 16th, here, right here in this uh, ballroom. Um, February 16th at Split Rocks, 7 p.m. If you live out in the, uh, nor- in the north, in the what, west metro, east metro, south metro, and Tuttles is closer, we'll be out there February 20th. Uh, looking forward to getting back there as well. Thanks to Grain Belt and all those uh, all those uh, great times they come out here with giveaways. Chris Lindahl Real Estate, Royal Credit Union, Moe's Tavern, Bosch Law Firm, and Aquarius Home Services, your installers of Connecticut Water Treatment Systems, plumbing, heating, and cooling. Thanks, everybody, for coming on out. So much coming out, there's nothing going in. Like you're never gonna win All but the world